And speaking of that, um, I have to hurry because uh, how great you are and funny you all are. I had my brother uh, give this to me today. And he said, Pastor, please don't be long-winded today. Time for football, LOL. <laughs> I got more amens on that than most of the word, huh? <laughs> and let me just uh, share a couple things before we dive into the word of God. And by the way, uh, last Sunday night was awesome. I just, I was able to go to every table and talk to everybody, look at them in the eyes. We're outside, no mask. We're able to really recognize and talk, and it was great. Tonight we begin again all the way through November uh, where we will be gathering together this evening. Uh, the children, the youth, and the adults in the sanctuary will be teaching a Bible study. I will be concluding the series on Joseph tonight. For those who have been with us, you know how God has just given us such great word. Uh, we begin at 6 o'clock tonight, and uh, everyone, come on, let's uh, bring your friends, and it's just a real good time. The kids have just an amazing time next door, and uh, a new thing taking place. This past weekend really hit me pretty hard. Uh, it was a 20-year anniversary of 9-11. Lives were changed in America, and because lives were changed in America, everything that we looked at and thought about changed. Louisiana hurricane has taken place. Afghanistan. And if we allow ourselves, the world would, uh, that is full of a lot of chaos um, could really bring worry and concern for us. But I want to tell you that that doesn't stop the church. Because let me just uh, give you a little secret. Every aspect of chaos that is given to us in this world is literally, bottom line, an attack on the church. It is an attack on the unity of the body of Christ, the marriage of, of the church with Christ. And we need to recognize that a lot of things that go on is to separate us. And that's why I felt so good last Sunday night when, when gifted people came and put food together and Guys and ladies came, put tables out and all those chairs and parking lot, everything just set it up perfectly. And we came together and we just absolutely just moved into a realm of family, what God pictured. We're going to talk about that in the covenant uh, of marriage and the covenant that we have with God. But let me also say to you, we are, we are a four-square church, and we have those that uh, are on the ground in Louisiana and boots on the ground in Afghanistan. And we cannot give names regarding Afghanistan, but um, I had a meeting yesterday, and uh, it was brought up of, you know, can we do something? And bottom line, what we can do as a church is we can help with our finances. And so what we're going to do is next Sunday, we're going to come together. Uh, when I come up, that I will have a stand and pray, and then we will bring up to the platform uh, an offering uh, basically for Afghanistan and being able to minister and touch the refugees and, and all the above. So that's next Sunday. Also, 
hopefully, um, within the next couple of weeks, I won't say hopefully, I will say that in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to give you information on vaccines. And what we have to understand is there's been questions of religious exemptions. And, but let me just give you the spirit of everything that we do at Valley Community Church. Because we are family, and we are, as we sung and was stated, that we are sons and daughters of God. Everything we do regarding anything is of grace. So there are some in our congregation that have prayed and have believed that the vaccine was for them. They got the vaccine. Praise the Lord. Absolutely. I'm glad you did what you did. There are those that also prayed and felt in their spirit not to take the vaccine. Praise the Lord. You heard from God. And what we have found, we have found even from the top in our nation, people giving speeches trying to dismantle your faith and or your belief system and to cause you to be accused of being the culprit of bringing sickness to people around you. And I want to tell you that is straight from the pit of hell. And we have to understand that it is grace. So when we amplify, when we amplify contention, we are speaking demonic talk. And so anything that we do at Valley Community Church, we will proclaim grace and love and mercy to one another. And there are decisions that people make, they believe they heard from God, praise the Lord. And if there's correction to be done with people, that is between them and God. And we cannot as a church walk around because we have been brainwashed in TV, radio, all the above, blogs, to have contention that those that disagree with what we believe. And I am telling you that we as a body of Christ need to stop. Those that... Um, are really living in fear. It is, it is uh, a thing that can happen because of the words that we hear. And I'm just saying to you, I, I understand if you are living in fear regarding what you have heard, but I'm just telling you, I am proclaiming in Jesus' name that God is in control. And because God is in control, that my heart is to love you no matter what decision you make. I will give you legality things in the next couple of weeks uh, regarding that. And so, but in the beginning of this, this all contention, this another step to separate the church, the family, because some of you have dis dissension in your family because maybe you've gotten the vaccine or you haven't gotten the vaccine. And because of that, there's contention. And I'm just telling you, that's not a part of our life. We are to have grace and love one another. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I will be giving you legality things in, in the next couple of weeks, but just understand the heart that I have, that we pray for our president, we pray for our political people. We have mayors and we have people in politics in our church, 
we love you, we believe in you, and we pray for you. And uh, so we are not going to be people of contention. Um, I have disagreement with, with pol- some politics. I have disagreement with some beliefs. Uh, but my job as a pastor is to proclaim the word of God in truth. And if there is, there is contention in the word of God and there is wrong doctrine, then I will do that because that's what I'm called to do is, is to give you the word of God, not to bring contention in the body of Christ of those things that have come straight from the pit of hell to bring evil in the family. Okay, I'll be quiet. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30. And we're ta- we've been talking about reaching new levels in the kingdom of God, and now we are talking about family. We're talking about relationships, and last week we get, began to speak to you about marriage. We have had marriage conferences. We speak to you about marriage periodically in series of teachings. And so right now we're in the middle of three teachings on marriage. And we want to talk about the matching covenant. And it's going to take us two weeks to talk about the matching covenant. In Ephesians 5, verse 30, it says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each, notice how it bounces back and forth. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. So according to scripture, in in this amazing covenant, it is a covenant that speaks of your relationship with God, your relationship with God. Uh, with one another and your relationship with your spouse. When you're, we're talking about relationship with one another, we're talking about the body of Christ. And so this covenant that has been cut for us is basically set regarding relationships. And uh, so this speaks of a covenant we have with God and the church. And the relationship between a man and a woman in marriage matches this covenant. The very purpose that God created man is that God would have a covenant with them, is that there would be a covenant with the man and the woman together, and it will work as well in all relationships. So today, what we want to begin to delve into We'll touch a little bit on last week, but what does it mean to be in covenant relationship? What does that mean? So first, I want to say a couple things about last week. If you are married, don't listen for your spouse. Don't think this way. That's exactly what I've been trying to tell him. We need to listen for what God is saying to us. You listen for you. The second thing, if you're single, (laughs) we do well not to allow 
the enemy to cause us to say, this isn't for me. And what I'm saying to you, because we do well with that, I want you to say, I'm no longer going to do that. I'm no longer going to allow my hurt, my experience to keep me from hearing truth about the word of God regarding something that has really devastated me called relationships. I am talking about the marriage relationship is the only relationship on earth that mirrors your relationship with the Lord. (laughs) Some of you say, not my marriage. Well, yeah, it, it is. God created marriage. Man has messed it up. So the conclusion, when we teach on kingdom principles, it speaks of your faith and relationship in your covenant with God and the same in your marriage relationships. Your marriage with God and your marriage with your spouse. Now, you know when we talk about the principle, which is putting God first, remember the teaching of the tithe? You put God first in the tithe, first fruits, you put God first in your relationship with him, and you put God first in your marriage, everything regarding your marriage is putting God first. That's why your spouse is first. If you're putting your spouse first, you're putting God first. If you're putting God first, you're putting your spouse first. And in the natural, that's how you disseminate, that's how you you propagate covenant, is by putting these relationships first in your life. Everything I say about marriage today will be truths you apply to your relationship with God. We have to get to a place that we understand. Remember we talked about last week about that piece of paper. Or what is a contract? The answer of that piece of paper is you enter into that contract by signing the piece of paper to protect your rights and to limit your responsibilities. And we found out that if you buy a home, you start a business or you accomplish a transaction, you do it by signing a contract to protect your rights and to limit your responsibilities. Marriage will not work in a contract form because you protect your rights and limit your responsibility. The only way a marriage works is you understand you are entering into a covenant. Listen to last week's message. You will hear the depth of this. Now, a covenant, to remind you, is that you give up all of your rights and you assume your responsibility in that covenant. Your relationship covenant in your marriage mirrors your relationship covenant with God. Many people have a relationship with God and it's a contract relationship. Always saying, gimme, 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 and they never take responsibility for their life. They just want God to fix it. 
And if we have that with God, we'll have that in our marriages. And that's why there are struggles in marriages. Last week, we talked about the three rights we have to lay down. Remember, the right of priority, giving God and your spouse first place in your life. The right of priority that we have to lay down, that we give God the right to have first place and your spouse to have first place of priority, not you. The second, the right of possession, that you co-own and co-administrate every area of your life. And we talked about blended family. I'm not going to go over that again. You can go ahead and listen to that, and you'll understand that what we're saying, what the Word of God says. And then the last one is you give up the right of privacy in every area of your life you give to your spouse. My wife uh, has my calendar. She has my password. She has everything that she needs to know to know everything. She has the right to do that. She's first place in that area. And we have a financial director with, with what we have, and we've been doing that for years and decades. And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that he has the right first before my wife. My wife does. I will literally, you know, uh, the other day we, we got our bank statement of savings, and so I just placed it in the pile of, of her mail. And she goes, what is this? I said, that's our bank statement. She goes, oh, okay. She didn't even look at it. She set it to the side. But she has the right to be able to look at that. It, does, it doesn't mean that she doesn't care and I'm not looking, oh, I do all the work and the savings and, and, and you're not even looking at it. You don't care. No, no, no. She has the right. If she doesn't look at it, okay, that's all right. Why doesn't she look at it? Because she trusts me. Amen. Do you trust me? Okay. So, so in that area. But see, she can trust me. And then all of a sudden in that area, if someone's hiding something, then they don't show it. But she has the right of that. And God has the right of everything in my life, not like he doesn't know, but my spirit is, God, I lay everything I do, everything I say is laid before you first so that when I do it, I don't do it out of the flesh. I do it out of the spirit. That's covenant, all right? So the man must be able to share his feelings and the woman must be able to share her thoughts. Did you know that men have feelings? We're brainwashed that we're not supposed to. The way we're created, we're to protect and care for. And sometimes in the negative area, we don't, we don't share our feelings. And, but, and a lot of times, the, the biggest thing is that when a man gets born again and really begins to understand the reality of covenant and and emotions, and who you are in Christ, because God has feelings. God has wept. God was angry. God has emotions. God has feelings. And when a man begins to realize that all his life, you know, skins his knee, get up, get up. You know, you're not that hurt that bad. Stop crying, stop crying. No feelings, no feelings. You get into marriage, and you don't want to share your feelings. The wife feels like... <laughs> You know, well, he's hiding something. No, he's just been trained and brainwashed. We're going to talk about that later, of having no feelings. 
Guys, you have feelings. Ladies, you stop stopping him when he shares his feelings because he talks different than you. He feels different than you. He's trying to say something, and you're trying to read into what he's saying by how you feel, how you think. And then before he's done with his statement, then you tell him how he's supposed to feel. Well, after a while, he's going to say, uh-uh, I'm not sharing anymore. All right, let's go on. The covenant is found in Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands. All the men go, yay, as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Remember, submission is coming under a mission. You can't have a mission until you agree. So men and women are co-equal. But it's reminding the woman to come under the mission. If you don't share vision for your marriage, how do you come under a mission? You can't. And so submission becomes a master-slave mentality. That's not what Scripture is saying here. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. All the women say, yay. <clears throat> Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That's talking about spoken word. The word word there is rhema, spoken word. That, that men, how you love your wife in many instances is not just physical, it is by your words. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. In other words, the way you feel about yourself, you need to love your spouse. The selfishness that is there in the flesh needs to change, and that love and that care and that protection needs to go towards your spouse, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ's relationship with God and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular, speaking of marriage, so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband, matching covenants. So let me just slow down now. It's very easy to read this and say, yes, my wife should be submitting to me. You don't have the full picture. Or, yes, I see that scripture about love, and my husband is not doing that. Do not do that. That's contract. Read the scripture again by yourself later on and see your responsibility pertaining to this covenant. What did God say is your responsibility? So in a covenant, you have to be willing to be the redeemer. In a marriage... In a covenant, both husband and wife 
need to be willing to be the redeemer. You have to be willing to be cut first. Remember, covenant means to be cut. Jesus was cut, sacrificed, and died to have relationship covenant with you. I know I'm, I'm talking about some deep things here, and I'm, I'm covering from many different angles, but I'm telling you, this is where we need to understand regarding covenant. If you're going to get married, you have to be willing to be cut, sacrifice, and die, or your marriage will not work. Now let me pause and speak to all. To any crazies listening to me, this last statement is an allegory. What does that mean? A picture of, an, of a covenant life, it's not literal that you need to be cut, that you need to be sacrificed and die physically. It is an allegory of spiritual things, is that you die to self, that you are the one, you don't wait for he or she to be first, you go first. You hurt, you cut, because it's a covenant. You love first. You submit first. You come under the mission first. Yeah, but they're not doing it. You do it. There are other teachings and other things that I've done when abuse comes and all that, that there are decisions that need to be made in that area when there's real abuse. But we need to understand, when we're talking about two people that supposedly love each other, that supposedly are married, that supposedly want to get married, that they need to understand how it works, and it won't work any other way. And if we don't, and we do it contract, we're going to have problems. Jesus Christ, though, literally went to the cross and was cut. He was sacrificed. Jesus Christ died so we can have an amazing marriage with the Father, with our spouse, and with one another. It's talking about love and respecting one another. Are you with me still? All right, all right. So don't look in the corner of your eye at your spouse and ask them, are you listening? Matter of fact, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm listening for me. Go ahead and say that. <laughs> okay, let's get back to who we are in our relationship. Again, every marriage problem would be solved if we would just do one thing. <laughs> if both people would just die. I'm talking about spiritually. Die to their will. Die to their choice. Die to, this is important, we're going to talk about this, die to their past and live as that new person in Christ. Let's now reveal the three responsibilities that we must pick up and carry. This is, there's so much in this. I have curtailed probably six weeks of teaching into two weeks. 
So we're going to cover one point. I think it's the greatest point of, of to pick up responsibility. And number one is love. Love means I receive the responsibility to love you according to the standard of Christ's love. To the standard of Christ's love. Now, let me just say this to you. God is love. When many people hear that, they hear God acts out in love. No, God is love. You are created in the image of God. And because you are created in the image of God, you are love. And the struggle is that we don't even know who we are. We're, we're running around like chicken with our heads cut off, trying to figure out our identity in this world. And I just want to tell you, your identity is love. Now we have to understand what love is. And we're not going to spend a lot of time with that, but we're going to talk about that in the covenant realm. We talked about last week, we're talking about this week and next week. Love also means to never justify any action or words that fall below that standard of Christ's love. How many of you can say, I'm still working on that? Because I am. I'm working on that. God's love also is unconditional. God is unconditional. You, in a covenant, are unconditional. You don't do something because they do it. You do it because that's who you are. Matter of fact, you need to understand that God can't do anything from the beginning and the end. God can't do anything without doing it out of love because he only is love. So you are love, and if you are doing anything that is opposite of love, then you are not being who you are. You are listening to the lie and, uh, of the pit of hell. And we need to recognize that because now you have hurts, so does God. You can never do anything that would cause God not to love you. I hate religion because religion says God loves you as much as you do good. But I want to tell you, the Word of God says, everything that you are is no good. And the only one that is good is God. Now, when you become born again, new spirit, then that goodness is your spirit because it's of God. Then you change and you become brand new and you walk in love in every area of your life. Now, the Bible doesn't say, for God so loved the believers, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everybody in this world God loves. Why? Because God loves. Marriage works when you love unconditionally. 
Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not while we were perfect, not while we crawled on our knees to the church and went up front to the, to the pulpit and just cried and cried and cried and cried and cried, forgive me, forgive me. No, God loved you before. While your husband is still not doing the right thing, you will still die for him, meaning you will do the right thing. You will do the right thing. If your wife isn't doing the right thing, you do the right thing. Romans 5.8 says, while we were not doing the right thing, God did the right thing. Amen? While we were not doing the right thing, God loved us and did the right thing. Covenant was Jesus cut. And he died and rose again, but he died for you and me. So, a marriage covenant, let's keep digging in here. I'm still going to do the right thing no matter if you do right or wrong. If you do right or wrong, I'll love you. I'll love you if you don't perform. I don't care what your hormones are doing. I don't care who your mama is. Even if you remind me of her. I will love you unconditionally until the day I die. A covenant is unbreakable. Here's the difference between that piece of paper, a contract, and a covenant. In a contract, if you don't fulfill what you stated, then I don't have to fulfill mine. If you're not submitting as unto the Lord, then I don't have to love you. And again, if you have this piece of paper mentality, then your marriage is in trouble. Bottom line. And I can give you all the wisdom about marriage and what to do, but if you still live with a contract mentality, you can even do the right things but have the wrong spirit and still have problems in your marriage. So, with that, let me give you wisdom of all that is said. When you fall below the standard, Christ's standard of love, don't justify it. Saying, I know what I'm doing is wrong, but you don't know what my spouse did, preacher. Maybe I didn't. God's looking at you. In my marriage, God's saying, okay, uh, okay, all right, uh, yeah, I saw that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep, 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 she did that. Mm -hmm. Yep, she said that. Yeah, she did. She hurt you. Yeah, she hurt you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But what are you doing about it? You're being quiet. Doesn't matter what they did. You are not responsible for their actions. Young people today, marriage has been attacked for decades in the United States of America. Families have been attacked for decades. That's what, what the enemy wants to do is destroy the family because it's the image of God. 
when the family is functioning properly and he attacks it. And all the experiences that you have, I want you to understand, God loves you. And begin to dive into God. Understand who he is, not what religion says. Stop being religious and have relationship with God. You are responsible for your actions and our reactions. It's everybody's fault. That started from the beginning. Eve said it was the devil's fault. Adam said it was Eve's fault. What God is saying in covenant relationship, it is your responsibility to love. God will not hold you in account for your spouse's actions, but he will hold you in account for your actions. If we obey the word of God, Christ's standard, he will bless you. He will help you through that. Nothing justifies an unloving husband. Nothing justifies that. Nothing justifies a dishonoring wife. So if you have a bad marriage, you know what you need to do? Put medicine on it. What is the medicine? Here's the medicine. A loving husband can heal a dishonoring wife. An honoring wife can heal an unloving husband. So the conclusion of that statement, then I want to give you some more wisdom and understanding of why do we do this when we know? Let me give you this. You do the right thing and let God do his part. Supposedly, when you got born again, you laid down your rights to become a Christian. Do it in your marriage. You took up your responsibilities as a Christian. Do it in your marriage. One of the biggest deceptions is you must be happy also. God wants you to be like Jesus. The reason why he created marriage is not for happiness, he created it for you to be like Jesus. And if you are, you will be full of joy and happiness will resound. So here's a picture of the beginning of your marriage. Some of you have been married like Terry and I 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 63 years, five years. And, and so... Some of you don't even know what 65 years means. But the reality is, is some of you have been married a year. Some of you have been married five years. Some of you are planning on getting married. Some of you are looking that, for that person that you're going to marry. And you have dreams and all kinds of desires in that area, God-given. And it's real. It's right. Because it's a perfect picture of the relationship of the church with God. It's awesome. Marriage is the greatest thing that matches the relationship we have with God. So here's a picture at the beginning of everybody that's gotten married. In the beginning of your marriage, regarding loving and honoring, when you come into a marriage for a few years, the both of you are eating a crop that you didn't plant. 
When you are newly married, you are beginning to eat a, a crop that you didn't plant. Let me explain that. You married this person, but they have had experiences with their parents, other relationships, other friends, church experiences, religious experiences, other people sowing into his or her life or your and my life. So what has been going on, you get married at 20, 25, 30, what's been going on in those years, someone else has been sowing into your life. Now, you marry this person, and what's coming out of this person is a crop that you didn't plant. Because when you get married, you're to come together and find the mission and submit to that mission and create your home. Leave your mother and father covenant. Leave your mother and father and covenant with your spouse, and then you create the atmosphere in your home. But because we don't understand this, we, when we begin this, we might do the right thing, but all of a sudden, why did I say this? Why did I do this? Because someone's been sowing into your life for all these years, much of it good, some of it not so good. Amen. So what, what I've learned from my parents, I learned some good things from my parents. And I want to tell you, they're both passed away, so I can say this, <laughs> but um, there's some things I learned not to be, not to do. Because in that life, through their way of love, they gave me their experiences and sowed into me in their experiences, right or wrong. And so when I first get married, I am reacting or acting out what was sowed in me. Are you following? So I came into marriage not really understanding marriage as well as I do today. I was programmed by my past experiences. Terry was programmed a certain way by her experiences. So what did we do? The answer is we needed to deprogram and program God's way. We had to sit down. You know, <clears throat> I got marital counseling from, from a pastor, and he said, you know, I know you're in ministry. You're going to get married. It's going to be really tough and really hard. So what you need to do is get to know the right people, and you're going to make it. Oh, okay. In other words, live my life according to what other people say instead of what he said. So my wife and I, we first got married. We weren't deprogrammed. We were acting out, reacting according to how we were programmed in our past. And so what we did, <clears throat> excuse me, is we began to have vision retreats. We began to sit down. When we were younger, we didn't have any money, so our retreat is, you know, the kids are asleep, let's talk for a while. And, and so we would do that, and we would talk about who we are, what, who God is, who, who we are, and how we're to respond. <clears throat> are we perfect? No. Uh, I said this last week, don't ever look at us as perfect, but we really work hard towards covenant. We really do. So the answer is if you don't deprogram and programs God's way, you're still eating the crop from the past. You're still eating the crop 
from the past, what other people sowed into you. And you know, just a little laughter here, I need to watch how I say crop. Some of you will get it later. Let's all stand. Listen very closely in this last statement, and we'll conclude. It's called planting good seed. When you plant a seed, you don't plant it in the ground a half hour later, dig it up and see how it's doing. Amen? When you put that seed in the ground, you want to grow, my wife was growing tomatoes, you put it in the ground, she didn't, she didn't dig it up to see how it was doing. Well, really the truth comes is she asked our daughter-in-law that's really good at it to look at it so you make sure it's right. Anyways, um, the, the point is you don't dig it up. You don't look and see how they react when you do the right thing. Okay, I did this. Now what are you going to do? Right? And, but, oh, I don't do that. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. I did it. Yeah. Come on, church. We have to be real. If we're going to touch our community for Jesus Christ, we need to be real people. We need to be people that are just downright honest, but gracious and loving. And when people come in, by the way, I see some new people. Welcome. It's great to see you. I know there are new people online. Welcome. This is straight from the throne room of God, what we're teaching. And I want to see breakthrough in your relationships and in your family. You see the sign in front of me, family. The enemy has come against the family literally since the end of 1950 in a very peculiar way through even government and everything. Now, hey, I pray for the government. I am there. I'm not running, I'm not being some guy who hides in the mountains and I'm no longer paying attention. No, no, no. I comply to the word of God. I pray for those over me. I pray for authority. But we need to get to a place in our life that we need to plant good seed because you are love created in the image of God, which is the image of love because God is love. Learn, look at what God has said. Look at who God is. Many people do not know who God is. And they've been in church for decades. Know who God is. Come to OSL. Come to the classes tonight. You'll learn who God is. Be with the women's ministries, the men's ministries when we begin that again because of COVID. All the different things that we do, come and learn of God. Because when you learn of God, you learn who you are and you become a person who can live it out in a greater way. I would love to ask you to join hands. Okay, I can't do that yet. If you want to join hands with your spouse, spouse, go ahead. But I want to pray for you. In Jesus' name, I proclaim absolute revelation of God. God, give us dreams, give us vision. Give us revelation of your word. 
I know we have to choose to dive into the Word of God. But God, do some things for some people that have struggled in that area. Give them an anointed desire to read the Word of God. Lead them to the places in the Word to show them who you really are. A loving, gracious, honoring God that blesses people. That you have coveted with us. All that you are is for us. And all that we are is for you. You've forgiven us and loved us anyways. And now, Father, in Jesus' name, I proclaim blessing over every home. I proclaim wisdom, insight, understanding over every relationship, every friendship. Lord, when we gather together as a body of Christ, we walk in love and not dissension and not disagreement. We walk in the unity of God. Everybody is important in the body of Christ. Everybody is real. Everybody's a brother and sister. Even if they do wrong things, we do the right thing. Hallelujah. Lord, I just see in my spirit just a breakthrough in our homes, a breakthrough in our marriages, a breakthrough in our thinking, a breakthrough in every area. Lord, those hurts of the past no longer rule us. The sowing of the past no longer guide us because we have taken that and we've caused it to die that that is wrong and to amplify that that was sown right in our lives. And we give you honor and praise and glory for all that you are doing in our marriage, in our relationships, in our church. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.